0: Sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, accelerate your business growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Jack Flaherty. Jack is on a mission to advocate for and educate today's leaders on how to make confident, agile, and effective decisions. Throughout a career working with executives at the highest level, Jack has observed patterns about how good decisions are made and not. He's developed a system for making better decisions he calls the decision switch. Thanks so much for joining me today,
1: Jack. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So, um, decision-making. I find, personally, that a lot of leaders... Uh, struggle with effective decision making like they're afraid to make a wrong decision or or whatever it is. but um why is it wh- what do you say one of the most critical components of our executive skill set it in really determining whether we're going to be successful or not
1: it's really simple. our decisions, correlate directly with our success, both personal as well as our quality of life. And, you know, without that, you know, that correlation, it really wouldn't, you know, rise to the problems that it, that it has. But by seeing, you know, the impact of our decisions and the success that comes out of that and knowing how to, you know, work with others to achieve our goals, you know, generally leads to better outcomes
0: okay and and what are you seeing do you think decision making is um, easier or more difficult today than it was say I don't know 10 years ago
1: great question this is something that I actually did a tremendous amount of research about in that you know part of my thesis is that decision making is not a skill set many of us were ever taught it's assumed that everyone has a good, Toolbox, for better words. And, you know, so laying that as the foundation that you don't really have a great framework in place with all the new technologies that are constantly bombarding us with information and demanding us to make decisions in real time, you know, forces us to shortcut a lot of the necessary steps that we should take, you know, to make you know great decisions and achieve the outcomes that we truly deserve and we should achieve
0: really okay so let's talk about automation and and how we're all this interconnected world and how we collaborate and make decisions what 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 really has been the impact of that has it um i mean i, I the reason i'm asking is uh, like off the top of my head, I would say, well, it should make it quicker and easier and more efficient. But then I step and I wonder, is that really what's happening here? What is really happening here?
1: Sure, um, I, I I love this because I actually take it through a timeline. So going back, you know, ten years, you know, really was the advent of real time communication, and you know, now we've evolved into Slack and you know Telegram and all these different you know messaging services. Yeah. So in real time we can communicate, which I think is a tremendous, you know, innovation for collaboration. The challenge though, is it's all unstructured text. And so unless you're constantly paying attention to that dialogue, you might miss a critical point, a question, you know, or even somebody, you know, giving you an approval. Oh. And, you know, as a result, you know, I find myself, you know, in, in, in various situations where, I'd have to drop everything, scan through hundreds of lines of text just to be able to substantiate, you know, why I'm making a recommendation or a decision. Yeah. And now we, you know, we're moving to into the new world of, of automation where you know, the systems themselves are performing many of the tasks that you know individuals used to do. And so when you know the human or the individual used to do it, they would have the intimate knowledge. For how the calcula- calculation was performed, what assumptions were included. And now we're basing that on, you know, how that automation was designed. And taking it one step further, with the remote workforce and our reliance on these technologies, you know, we no longer have those structured relationships where we can, you know, open ourselves up and, and have intimate conversations about our fears, our challenges, our needs, and as an example, I can remember often early on in my career where I would come off a, you know, a challenging call and have a difficult decision to make, go into a partner's office or an executive's office and just dump all the information on the table. And I had somebody who had the experience in going through that mm. to sift through all that information. And we pick out you know, what the kernels are that were truly important. And that helped us define that path to take the next step forward. So without that structure, even though these technologies are great innovations, I think we're still on that evolutionary curve and we will ultimately get to a point where it does truly, you know, being a creative asset to the decision-making process, but we're still working through that. And I think that's where we as leaders need to rethink, you know, how we're engaging our teams and our organizations to make sure they have the necessary support given, uh, again, the influx of uh, new you know information the speed of uh, that we need to act in business and the amount of decisions we need to make
0: I think that is such a huge point uh, it it is there there are there's real value in uh being able to have a remote team but you have to make sure that you are still engaging that team in a way that keeps the engine moving really you know in the company in a way that isn't hamstrung. So, uh, yeah. And, and I get it that we're figuring our, our way through that. So, um, all right. So, so let me ask a question. So, you suggest a framework for uh, to use for making decisions. Can we unpack some of that? And can you explain what that decision switch is and how that
1: works? Absolutely. Great. You yeah. know, the, the decision switch was was built on the premise that decision making is a process and it's not an event. Frequently, we d- we make knee jerk you know decisions based on gut feeling or past yeah. experience, which essentially puts up you know tunnel vision on what we're doing. And when I took a step back and I looked at you know many, and I, I come from a risk management background, so a lot of my work was, for better words, you know, identifying the issues that organizations had. And while we you know really attributed to maybe a technology or you know lack of execution or something of the sorts, it all you know, the root cause generally came down to a bad decision. Uh-huh. And so I put together a framework based on quite frankly my own failures or my observations of my clients and, and working with colleagues to really direct us towards you know, what is the most optimal decision. And so, you know, the the first is, you know, triage first. I did a lot of of work in the medical industry, so I borrowed the term because I love the word triage. It's snappy. But it's, it's the notion of compiling all the information about a situation and identifying, you know, the value proposition, you know, whether or not you have enough information and the urgency in which you need to act. And that allows you to create that path forward of maybe what individuals you need to work with, what resources you need for that you know particular decision the second principle is to follow your north star which it's critical in the decision making process because frequently i find individuals you know they look at their own priorities and not an organization's mission statement or their objectives or their goals and so it's critical that we remind folks what the mission statement is what are our goals so that everyone is all focused on those particular objectives and we all make decisions you know, targeted towards that. The third principle is to collaborate with others. And this serves to create the most well-rounded conclusions we can make, because if we're only talking to individuals that, you know, we know agree with our position, or decision, you know, it, 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 you know, really supports or cultivates that confirmation bias. And by collaborating with others, and even those that vehemently oppose our ideas, helps to identify weak points and puts real strength in the conclusions we make and ensures that it's supported and we can achieve our outcomes. The fourth principle is to recognize cognitive bias. Hmm. So often have I seen at board meetings or executive meetings where you can see an individual making a decision or a position based on their views of an individual, a situation, or an opportunity. And if we can strip that down, drop those walls, and allow us to make objective questions not in a, a, a deconstructive manner but in a creative manner i have you know a, a number of indi- individuals just looking at a painting and saying how can we make this better not you know why is this bad the fifth principle is to establish a champion going back to the notion that it's a process and not an event so many projects so many decisions fail because they lose momentum they lose their focus and quite frankly, you know, stakeholders, you know, don't hold up, you know, to their commitments, and so having that executive champion to help push that forward is critical in accomplishing our goals. The sixth principle I really want to I really want to emphasize because empathy is is a big component of my book and my platform. As you know, we're making decisions far very frequently. There's negative implications. We might be making the most optimal decision, but if there's a negative implication, instead of you know breaking down that bridge, we can build stronger bridges by looking on behalf of that individual, that organization, and seeing where there's additional opportunities. How can we help them so that they have a soft landing, or even you know land at a higher place, and that you know really strengthens those relationships. And that's you know Principle Six: managing fallout. And Principle Seven. Is practice self-reflection hmm. frequently. I see executives and, and, and individuals make the same mistakes over and over and over. And that's because they don't take a step back and say, "Why did you know? Why did I fail, or why did this not go through?" And see where the error was, and be able to you know reshape their approach, their process, their thinking, so that the next time they are you know presented with the same decision or situation, they can come to a better conclusion. And it really, you know, empowers you know, personal growth.
0: I think this is so great. And and I'm um, really glad that empathy is, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in just the biggest way, because empathy, I mean, you're exactly right. There's the potential there's going to be fallout. And it makes the situation worse when you don't when you aren't mindful of that, when you aren't aware of that and you don't address it, it it makes it worse for everybody, including the people where there isn't fallout because they're all connected to each other and, and in this community and in this environment. And so it really hits everyone, no matter how they survive, I guess I'll say, you know, whatever the decision is.
1: Yeah. I'll just add on real quickly. I I think it's super critical, even from a selfish perspective, empathy because it directly correlates to our legacy, to our relationship, and our able to you know build our business. Because when people see the decisions that we make, and they may be on you know the negative side of it, but they see the positive actions that we take, it creates an aura around you. And I learned this from my father, who only you know graduated from high school with a diploma. and retired very successfully. The reason why he was so successful is people could trust his decisions, the feedback right. he gave them, because when he told them no, or you shouldn't do that, you know, he you know provided the background, the support of why. And I think by providing that clarity really alleviates a lot of that anxiety that we have when we're on the downside of a decision.
0: Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Um, it, it, it really makes such a difference and it's not a difficult thing. It's just really being aware of it, I I guess, you know, really being on top of it and, and realizing that it's part of the, part of the process. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now um, you said something else that I thought was So interesting that that sort of struck me, and it was a lot of times uh, people are focused on their own individual goals and they're not looking at their North Star, uh, you know, or the organization's North Star in their decision making. That really struck me because I see that a lot in companies where what I always say is as long as it's serving the business, it'll serve everyone else. But if it's not serving the business, it's gonna serve no one, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So we have to we have to be careful about moving the goalpost to something else that's more of a personal goal than
1: the goals of the business. Absolutely, and I'll just use a quick example. Sure. If you think about on you know whether it be compensation process or budgeting process, and I've been given a goal, and I'm going to be compensated by it. And so, of course, my focus is on my compensation, right? Right. If you establish and cultivate a culture that, you know, acknowledges the sacrifices that you made for the greater good, then you're, in a sense, rewarded for making the best decision available. And, you know, that gets included within your performance evaluation or, you know, whatever aspect of, of, of the process. The same goes for the budgeting process. If you're going to forego some of you know your you know your capital for this year, acknowledgement by you know executive management or your colleagues and saying, I really appreciate that you did that for me. Right. It really builds collaboration and amongst executives far too often. I, I, I see disagreement and argument because we have these fiefdoms, these silos, and those can actually be deconstructive to organizations. Even though selfishly for myself, you know, I'm going to get paid more this year because I hit my goal.
0: But isn't that short-lived? I, I mean, y- you may do better this year, but that that isn't really
1: sustainable, is it? Depends on what position you are. Yeah. Oh. What's the average know, lifespan of a CEO these days? Two years? What's the life? You, know, you look at a lot of these positions; the lifespan is not that long. Yeah. But if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a CEO, if you have a truly vested interest, you've got that long term goalpost in mind. And again, going back to you know cultivating a great culture of collaboration, I'm you know working in the worlds of you know derivatives trading. I share stories about where I'd sit toe to toe with someone who's very senior to me, and almost to the point of yelling because. You know, we're trying to figure out what the, you know, the right outcome was. In that scenario, we, we we all wanted the best. And I'd say 99% of the time, we did come to the best conclusion. And despite having those contentious discussions, you know, we'd go out for drinks or dinner afterwards, and it's as though nothing happened that day. So you don't take it personal, because far too often we take decisions personally because we didn't, quote unquote, win. Right.
0: Right, yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? So, um, if there's uh, an entrepreneur listening to this, which there is, uh, (laughs) I know, (laughs) perfect, there are. Uh, So, but they're listening to this and they're saying, "Okay, this makes sense to me." Can you tell us, like, what is step one in, say, a concentrated effort to improve our decision making going forward?
1: The the first step is really uncracking the shell. Of an organization, and th- th- there's got to be an advocate, a prophet that talks about and really pushes it out to the organization, and says that it's it's okay to have disagreements. It's okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and you know, to to ask objective questions. And you know, a great tool to do that is set the expectation that going into meetings, you know, you're expected to participate. If you're not talking, if you're not asking great questions, then you don't need to be here. And Mm -hmm. it it makes sure that individuals are armed with good questions. And again, not deconstructive questions, but how do we build this a little better? How do we make sure that we're, you know, our, our armor is that much stronger or, you know, whatever machine we're building is that much more efficient. And I think that is really where the, you know, the roots of this grow is looking at you know a decision or a situation or whatever and saying how can we make this better
0: so i love that i completely agree with you and as you were saying that i was thinking to myself so the leader has to have a healthy enough ego to be able to ask for that sort of input and then really listen to it
1: yes the most amazing leaders I've ever worked with were extremely confident, but self-aware enough huh. to realize that they may not have all the answers, right? Or they may ha- have a blind spot, and so they'll propose an idea and they'll proactively, you know, ask, poke holes in this, right. see where the faults are, where where might be, where 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 could we stumble on this? And that is so critical, you know, to to, to being open to, to you know, the, the idea that, you know, we may not have all the answers or we may have a subjective bias that's placing a lens on how we view something. And by, again, a good discourse and having a great conversation, throwing out ideas, both sides can be become more informed about right. why this suggestion was made, but also why, you know, there may be some faults in that. And you know when you when you celebrate the wins where you you know achieve something you did something great, it really you know manifests in in, in in a great culture where you know folks want to help that organization really shoot for the stars.
0: Well, yeah, because they feel like they're part of that success, like they've really contributed to creating that plan and that strategy that gets the organization, they have more buy-in, you know, gets the organization where it wants to go. So.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. I always say um, the leader's job is not to have all the answers. It's to convene the resources to find the answers, like, you know, to have <laughs> that conversation. Right. So, because so many, I know so many small business owners, they think they are supposed to have all the answers, and that's part of what keeps them up at night and drives them crazy because they don't. and they think they should, and it's just crazy making.
1: Well, it's that, and we'll come to it you know, <laughs> shortly, but it's it's that overconfidence, that autocratic leader that I know what is right, right? And so, you, know, you need to follow my direction and you know we'll we'll reach the top of mount everest versus saying there's a storm coming in possible avalanches and yet we're still you know climbing to base camp one
0: right right yeah yeah believe me i, I am totally with you so um jack i i really i appreciate this information and breaking it down i i every single point made so much sense to me Uh, Will you tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can find your book, you know, what what you've got going on, please?
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is a subject that I'm super, I mean, I I left my last career because I think this is so essential for the future, particularly with, you know, digital disruption wave of change. You can find me at (laughs) www.thedecisionswitch.com. And my book is Decision Switch, Seven Principles of Successful Decision Making which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, most of your major retailers.
0: Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much, as I said. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com.